Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. Yeshua gave the Great Commission to His disciples up until today, many believers have gone throughout the world sharing the gospel of hope. How we share the good news has changed throughout the years. In our own ministry, we've put ads in newspapers and passed out tracts in the street. And more recently, we utilize video on social media. Still, one of the most tried and true ways to share the gospel is also the simplest and that is through relationship. Jewish people, and anyone for that matter, can be wary of seeing a book table on a street corner, but if a close friend, colleague, or even a neighbor intentionally builds a relationship with that person, this opens the door for further conversations, including sharing the gospel. This is because they know and trust the person who is sharing the gospel with them and can be assured that there are no ulterior motives. In today's episode, we will share three testimonies with you from Jewish people who have found Yeshua because a close friend or an acquaintance shared the gospel with them. We hope these stories inspire you to share your faith with the people around you. The first testimony is Dr. Rich Freeman's. You may remember Dr. Freeman in episode eight, where we shared about God's plan for Israel and the Jewish people. Well, before he became a Bible scholar, Dr. Freeman worked in the corporate world where he met a believer in Jesus from the South, who he thought was out of this world for being too happy. Take a listen. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my savior. He opened up his desk drawer, and put out the biggest Bible I ever saw in my life. And I thought, oh, good grief. What am I gonna have to deal with? This guy's like from another planet. I said, my people have died because of Jesus. So don't you tell me that Jesus is my Messiah. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, in a neighborhood called Bensonhurst. Our Judaism was more cultural than anything else. Uh, the only time we went to synagogue was on the high holidays. I was about 11 years old, and it was we had Hebrew school on Sunday morning. A group of older Catholic kids grabbed my kippah and they began flipping it around. 
you are a Christ killer. I said, what are you talking about? I mean, Jesus was a, a historical figure from centuries before. How could I be a Christ killer? And my dad, who had a lot of bad experiences in World War II, said they've been blaming us for his death for centuries. At their core, they're anti-Semitic. They hate Jews. In uh, the company that I worked for, Texaco, the office that we worked in was a bunch of cynical New Yorkers. And now we're told this Texan is going to be our boss. Hi, how y'all doing? I'm BR. He didn't even have a, a name. He just had initials. And my dad always said the worst, most anti-Semitic Christians were people from the South. 20 to 8, I walk into the office, and there's BR waiting with a smile on his face. Hi, how y'all doing? How could someone be so happy on Monday morning? He says, I'm just happy every day. I just wanted to find out what the deal was with him. So I said to him, BR, I never hear a bad word come out of your mouth. You never say anything about anyone. You're always calm. You're always peaceful. What's the deal? Why are you so different? And I'll never forget this. He looked me in the eye and he said, are you sure you want to hear the, the reason? And then he takes out, out of his desk drawer, the biggest Bible I ever saw in my life. A lot of ribbons hanging out, obviously well-worn. And he said, this Bible, this is what makes me different. I read the Word of God every day. And I thought to myself, man, this guy wants to tell me about Jesus. Oh, man, what have I done? He said something to me that nobody had ever said before. He said, Rich, Jesus isn't only my Savior. He's your Messiah. Well, I got so angry when he said that. And I said to him, look, Jesus is not the Messiah. He's not. He would bring, he's supposed to bring peace in the world. There's no peace in the world, and my people have been killed because of Jesus. If you want to stay my friend, you'll never tell me about Jesus again. And he never did. One particular night I was watching TV, my, my kids were in bed, and my wife came home. And she walked down the steps, and I sat up to say hi to her. But instead of her saying hello, she started crying. She says, you need to believe in Jesus. That's the only way to get to heaven. I said, what? Who told you that? And man, that really caused us to have a big argument. Uh, a couple of weeks after all this took place, uh, my son, fell and broke his arm. The doctor said, well, we're going to need to do a biopsy. He said, there's a tumor on his arm. So here I am, uh, devastated. This is, my, at the time, my only son. And my wife, this new person who suddenly moved into my house, said to me, I have peace about this. And that wasn't my wife's usual demeanor. It suddenly dawned on me that my wife was starting to act like BR. On the way to work that day, I did something that I had never done in my life, other than my bar mitzvah lessons. I prayed. God, if you really are who my wife says you are, then show me. My wife called, and when I picked up the phone, I could tell that she was crying. I said, honey, what's happened? The doctor looked at the x-ray and said to the technician, are you sure this is the right one? I said, well, why would he say that? The tumor's gone. Brian is healed. God has healed our son. And 
I just got this weird feeling that came over me. I, I got chills from my head to my toes, and then I felt warm from my toes going up to my head. And I realized that God said, you want me to show you? Okay, try this. Things just started happening. Uh, God really was working in my life very quickly. I came to this Messianic congregation with my wife, and suddenly I realized that this Jesus, who he called Yeshua, I had never heard that name before, this Yeshua is in my Bible. I was intellectually understanding that this Jesus, Yeshua, was the Messiah. And one particular night, I was having a conversation with my wife, and I, I said to her, tell me what this all is about. What does it mean to be saved? What does that word mean? You need an atonement. And that's what Yeshua came to do, to be your atonement, to pay the penalty for your sins. That's what being saved means. And I said, oh, I believe that. And she looked at me and smiled and said, when were you gonna tell me? My wife grabbed my hand and we knelt at the foot of our bed and I prayed and asked Yeshua to come into my heart. And my life has never been the same since. God used Dr. Freeman's boss, B.R., to make Rich curious. What really stood out about B.R. was the joy and kindness he showed at work. Sometimes, Yeshua is revealed through our actions. And then, when people ask us why we act the way we do, this gives us an opportunity to introduce them to the person that has made us this way. Dr. Freeman's faith was also brought full circle because of his wife, Julia. Our family can certainly influence our faith, which was also the case for Diane, who has a sister who believes in Yeshua. But it was not until Diane had an encounter on an airplane that her heart would be open to her sister's faith. Here is her story. I'm feeling goosebumps. I actually touched her. I said, Wendy, do you feel this? It felt like electricity in my hands. I said, did you feel this? And she said, no, no, I don't feel anything. I don't know what's going on. Horrible music, and I'm having a, a, this visceral feeling. I was born in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, I'm Jewish. My parents are Jewish, everyone I know in the family, ancestors are Jewish. And uh, matter of fact, we were four pretty argumentative little kids and my my mother used to say can't even get a word in edgewise around here and what was funny is that we all grew up to be lawyers and um, when that happened at one point I remember she said well at least I'm vindicated that I couldn't get a word in edgewise with you guys so but I remember with my grandmother in particular uh, this you know she grew up in the old the old country and anti-semitism was just such a visceral part of the upbringing that she said now you're going to school and it's uh, Christmas time of year, and they're gonna do those Christmas songs. Now don't make a big deal about it, but you can't say his name. So I went in this bookstore, I was visiting my brother at the time and uh, checking out the New York Times bestsellers, and there's this book, Rabbi Jesus, uh, by Bruce Chilton, and 
I, I was attracted to the title because Rabbi Jesus would not be a very common uh, title for a book, at least in my world. So I picked it up and uh, my brother came over and he says, why would you read that book? And I said, you know, Alan, come on, you know, I'm an educated woman. I don't even know who this person is. And he changed history, if nothing else, you know, so I, I'm just curious. I just want to read the book. I just want to understand a little bit more about who Jesus is. And so bought the book, got on the plane and headed back to Columbus. I sat down on the plane and um, I'm sitting in there reading my book, uh, Rabbi Jesus, and this woman kind of peers over my shoulder and says, oh, what are you reading? And I said, kind of defensively, I'm, I'm Jewish, but I'm, I'm just curious who, you know, who Jesus is. And she said, well, uh, what do you want to know? You know, I've written books about him. And I was pretty shocked. And she started talking to me about some of the books and some of the information about him. And at the end of all this, I said, you know, I'm not going to change my religion, but, you know, if I were to read the New Testament, you know, do you have one that you'd recommend? And so she recommended one to me. And then she said, and you know what, I'm going to send you my books. Uh, give me your address. Let me send you my books. During this time, uh, Shockingly, my marriage of 28 years um, came to an end. Uh, and it had happened, it had been building over a long time. Uh, to me, raising my children is like the most important thing that you can do in life. I had this dream about, I think it was a, a Zephaniah passage. He will delight with you in song. Like it was, um, I just woke up one morning going, Where, what is that? Where did that come from? I was by myself, this was in the spring of that year, and um, came home from work one day and took the mail in and there was this yellow package. So I opened it up and um, there was a book in it. And the book had a card, and I, I actually have a card that came with the book, and it said, Dear Diane, I haven't forgotten my promise to send you this book. It just has been slow in getting to you. This book is part of my life story. In the midst of great pain, Jesus walked alongside me. I have been praying that whatever you go through in your life, that he will find you and comfort you as he blessed me. Blessings and shalom, Lori Hall. Then she would, Zephaniah 317, he will delight in you with song. And I'm just like, I'm just in shock. I'm in shock at so many levels that this card and this book arrived at this time. So I called my sister who was living out in uh, Massachusetts at the time. I said, Wendy, you are not going to believe this. And I, and I told her how this person that I didn't know sat down next to me like six months ago on the, on the plane. We're driving back and forth from Boston to Columbus. And, and, uh, and I never had spoken to her about my personal life, never said a word. I had only asked her about Jesus. And um, so I'm telling Wendy, who this woman is and I in this card in the book and there's like dead silence on the phone just nothing and Wendy and she goes did you say Lori Hall and I said yes and she said I'm holding a magazine in my hand and it's Christian-led woman and they're doing a review of Lori Hall's book and it's this very book that she sent to me at this moment it, to me it was so uh, profound the God was absolutely in my life. Late August of 2001, um, my sister and I were, were together and um, she invited me to church because a friend of hers was going to become a pastor. So we were going to support, I was supporting my sister, my sister was supporting her friend. So we go to a church service and uh, I was shockingly surprised at how beautiful and moving it was. And um, I have to say at the moment though, I felt that uh, I love the music. You know, this is like amazing music. And so I really, really, I got 
goosebumps and was really into the service, which was surprising. You know, I was a Jewish woman. I really not attended church before. This was good. At the end of the service, she said, I want you to meet the pastors here. And they were both Jewish. And so I talked to these two guys. They grew up in New York. And I'm just like, how? How, how do you grow up Jewish and you're a pastor in a church? It just blew my mind. There I'm standing there. So this woman came over to me and she said, may I pray for you? She takes my hands like this. She said, may I pray for you? And um, I said, I just want to understand more about Jesus, <laughs> which I that's all I wanted. But God, God just, he just zapped me. I feel like if there's such a thing as good electricity, it was like my body was just filled with love and, and warmth and, and electricity. It was like an electric, electrical love hug of proportions I can't even imagine. And I just felt this huge sense of truth of who Jesus is. I felt it. I could feel it. And, and the person that was praying for me said, the Holy Spirit is on you. And as a Jewish woman, I have to admit, I had no idea what she meant by that. And she said, will you accept Jesus as your Messiah? After this happened, um, I'm an upstanding member of the Jewish community uh, on the board at my synagogue and had a lot of interaction with the rabbis and um, the, the, my community. And uh, the subject came up, you know, I believe in Yeshua now. And the reaction was, what happened to you? How could you do this? I was like a traitor, you know, like what? what? How, how could you possibly, all these years, believe that, you know, after being a Jewish woman and a leader in our community, how could you believe it? Jesus is the Messiah. And um, the beauty of how this happened to me is that I was so hit with the truth of it at such a deep level that all I could answer was with great conviction, I can't explain why, but it is true. I know it is true. I know it is true in my heart. And I have the rest of my life to read scripture and understand the why, but I know it is. It is the truth. Sweet, sweet symphony. Are you feeling inspired to share the hope that's within you with your Jewish neighbors? In Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul wrote that the gospel is to the Jew first, and that is in order of priority. Learn more when you order To the Jew First in the 21st Century. In this booklet, Dr. Albert Muller breaks down the biblical directive for the modern believer. Order your copy at ourhopepodcast.com forward slash to the Jew first. And remember to get one for your pastor's library too. Now back to Abe. And so you see what I've been telling you It's nothing like it seems It's what I've been telling you Diane's story shows us that God is not limited by location. You can share the gospel anytime, anywhere. This is why it is important to be aware of who is around you wherever you go, because you never know when the opportunity to share about Yeshua will present itself. This goes for social media as well. We need to be careful with what we post and what we say because people are watching. Sometimes the opportunity will come to you, which was the case in Roy's story. Roy wanted to change the world by becoming a lawyer. But one trip to Wisconsin, would change his entire life's direction. You will not believe how his story ends. So I found a job working as a drug detailer. I would explain pharmaceuticals to the physicians. 
And I went into a doctor's office and the doctor asked me, is this what you want to do with it for the rest of your life? And I really thought about that and said, no, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to change the world. I really want to be a person that would bring justice to this world. So I decided I was going to go to school and become a lawyer. While I was in school, I decided also that I wanted to see America. I wanted to go off to see America, as Paul Simon and Garfunkel said. And so uh, I traveled cross country to look for America. We were pretty well off as a family, and so outwardly I had everything a person could ask for. And yet within my very being, within my very heart was a restlessness. Uh, uh, I was depressed, I was frustrated. I, I was looking for peace. Um, I never had any long-term happiness. I didn't know where happiness could be found. I looked for all kinds of places. And probably the thing that drove me most to, to uh, distraction to, to be completely upset was the lack of justice in this world. I was really upset by that. Uh, that's why I wanted to become a lawyer, because I thought that maybe through law, I could bring justice to this world. So I'm traveling cross country to see America. I come to this small town in Wisconsin. Actually, it wasn't that small. La Crosse, Wisconsin, right on the Mississippi River. I decided I was gonna spend the night there, hang out, and make a mighty crossing of the Mississippi River. Jewish kid from New York crossing the Mississippi River. Go into the, to the city, and there are a lot of bars in this town, and I was asked to jam with this band, playing my harmonica, New Yorker, playing blues harmonica. And there was a girl there, just absolutely beautiful. Blonde hair, blue eyes. A uh, uh, Wisconsin Dairy Queen. That's uh, all I could think of. I mean, she was just beautiful. And moreover, she was fascinated with me. She thought I was great. Every story I told, she laughed at. She was just wonderful. Um, kind, gracious. And then she introduced me to her friends. They were all Jesus freaks. Jesus. So these Christians started telling me about Jesus. That was the last thing in the world I wanted to hear. I mean, as far as I was concerned, anybody who loved Jesus hated Jews. And I would, I love to argue. I was going to be a lawyer, right? So I came up with every argument why Jesus couldn't possibly be the only way. And with every argument, they'd show me in the Bible there was where this was so and this was so. And finally, I said, you know what? I'm Jewish. I figured that would end the discussion. He said, you're Jewish. Hallelujah. Our Messiah's Jewish. Our Bible's Jewish. If it weren't for the Jewish people, we wouldn't have a Bible or a Messiah. I'd never had a response like that before. So as these guys are sharing, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I was trained in Judaism. I mean, I, I, I knew the, the the prayers, and I mean, I, I was bar mitzvahed in the Orthodox tradition. And yet, here were Gentiles who knew more about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 
more about my God than I did. I thought to myself, what are these Gentiles doing with my God? They were on a first-name basis with him, it seemed. And that just confused me. So they said to me, you ask God, the God of Israel, if Jesus isn't the Messiah. I just wanted to get out of the conversation. I had enough of these guys. So I said, okay. And I muttered something under my breath as I was walking out the door. And I figured that would be that. Well, I went from there to uh, continue on my journey cross country. And I just couldn't get that girl out of my mind. A couple of weeks later, I was in California. I, would, I figured, boy, I would find more girls. But there was never anyone like her. I had to go back. So I get to Wisconsin, and I reconnect with Joanne and her friends. And they start sharing with me about the New Testament. And actually, I began reading in the book of Matthew. And as I read Matthew, I was just blown away. It begins with, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of Abraham, the son of David. The more I read Matthew, the more Jewish it appeared. I mean, I always thought that the New Testament was like, you know, it was just craziness and certainly not related to anything Jewish. And yet, Every page I was reading was Jewish. For the first time, I came to realize that, that Jesus was not Catholic. I had always thought he was Catholic. And as I read this, I, I, I was just amazed. So as I read in Matthew, I saw in Jesus, first of all, that he was Jewish and he was dealing with injustice. And yet, as horribly he was being treated, he was kind, he was gracious, and yet he continued to love. I was blown away by that. I'm looking for answers, I'm looking for life, I'm looking for love. I come to Wisconsin, come to La Crosse, Wisconsin, and I find the answer to both. And both of them begin with the letter J. Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. Joanne, a beautiful blonde. And now I have both. Since I've come to this relationship with God, through Jesus, I've experienced incredible peace, incredible joy. I also have come to understand what life is all about, and I'm able to share it with others. And I'm seeing the joy that I have is transferable to others, and I'm seeing other lives changed.
Roy went on to marry Joanne and have four daughters. He currently serves as our Midwest Regional Director and planted four congregations with Chosen People Ministries. One important thing we can learn from Roy's story is that Joanne and her friends understood the Jewish roots of their faith. This is especially important when we share the gospel with Jewish people who often think that Yeshua is a Gentile. We hope this episode encouraged you to share your faith in your daily life. You don't need to wait for a street outreach or buy lots of gospel tracts or even have a degree in messianic apologetics to share your faith. Although these can create wonderful opportunities, we want you to know that God can use you to reach the people around you at any time. Just be willing and be faithful. You may wonder, what is next for a Jewish person who comes to faith in Yeshua? Well, we will talk about this next week in our episode about the Messianic movement, featuring one of our branch leaders, Dennis Karp. As a reminder, you can learn more about the importance of evangelism when you order our booklet, To the Jew First in the 21st Century, at ourhopepodcast.com slash to the Jew First. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Our Hope. This episode was made thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Nicole Vaca, Grace Sui, Elizabeth Eckhart, Kyron Bautista, Neil Saraski, and ifoundshalom.com in partnership with One for Israel. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out ourhopepodcast.com or chosenpeople.com. See you next time.